0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three of ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See
1: official rules at frito Jackson trying to escape and run for
0: it, and he's got it more! Lamar Jackson down the sideline. Will they give it to him? They will. Touchdown, Baltimore. And with 1.17 left to play on Wildcard weekend, the Hayes and barn.
2: Oh my God. I wish you guys could, I wish we had a camera in here so you could see what we're
0: doing. We're just a bunch of clowns in here. How much fun is that?
2: All right. Welcome on back to another edition of the Baltimore Beatdown podcast. It is Tuesday, August 31st, end of August here. We're heading into September. Will somebody wake me up when September ends?
1: That Chipotle off East Fort Avenue, Lawrence Street, and Be more customer service is always so trash fam,
2: LOL. Shout out to Deshaun Elliott and Banks, <laughs> who have uh, both seemed to taken up that uh, that mantle and uh, railed against that location more than once. I just feel like it's a general systemic problem with Chipotle right now. If I'm going to call anyone out, I'm I'm, I'm going to have to call Chipotle out. I feel like they're struggling these days.
1: I don't know. That specific nook, the McDonald's there, Worst of all time, one of my buddies had a very spoiled temper tantrum and screamed at the drive-thru lady one time, and she said back, I'm sorry, I'm the only one here right now. Everyone I hire quits after two
2: weeks. Which is kind of sick. That's like sort um, of the, the bad boy McDonald's of Baltimore.
1: Exactly. Exactly. BBB.
2: Well, my name is Jake Luke. I'm joined on my screen by Spencer Nathaniel Schultz, rocking his uh, best Tony Soprano uh, camp collar <laughs> shirt here. And... Uh, Vasily Lurico is probably the closest thing to Tony Soprano in the Baltimore beatdown family. How's it going, Bud? <laughs>
0: doing great, doing great. I agree with that, statement.
2: <laughs> Which you know, for all for all the positives and negatives of that. So, gentlemen, we are uh, we're hopping in here tonight, getting the three men weave going for uh, what is uh, we were just saying before we got going here is a very fun time of the year. It is uh, the roster cutdown. For the Ravens, for teams across the league. And uh, that sort of also coincides with fantasy football. So there's a lot of different things going on. This is just, Voss absolutely just lives for this time. I can just feel it coursing through his veins. So we wanted to get him on to uh, talk about all this kind of stuff. But uh, there's been some other uh, events that have taken place in the uh, Ravens news sphere. Obviously, the massive, just huge win over the Washington football team on Saturday night. I mean, just completely just talk about like program defining, like goosebump inducing stuff. Uh, to get a a big a real big win like that uh, to continue the streak uh, for John Harbaugh was you know a little bit of a pyrrhic victory with the torn ACL to second year running back J.K. Dobbins.
1: It is what it is. It happened. Harbaugh I think spoke quite well about it today. They he was asked uh, generally, what do you think about the conversation around playing starters at, a, at his press conference today, where he had just announced Dobbins out for the year with the ACL. And he said, I think it's a good conversation. And he said, a lot of teams play the starters more than we do. And a lot of teams don't play their starters at all. And we're on probably the end this year towards not playing them at all, but we played them. And he said back in 2016, uh, Washington Post made an article. And he basically said, if I could, it was after Ben Watson. And I believe Kenneth Dixon both got hurt in the same game. And he said, we need to figure something out. If I could do away with preseason, I would. Then the Ravens win 20 straight games. Hilariously which creates this fun narrative of like Harbaugh puts the starters in because he wants to win. Those games aren't won in the first quarter with the starters. They're won with the try-hard effort in the fourth quarter by the bubble. Har- Harbaugh-
2: Harbaugh's heroes have been coining them recently.
1: Exactly. So uh, it's just – it sucks. Uh, if you feel for J.K. Dobbins. He's a dynamic, explosive player. Uh, Vaz has already crunched the numbers to figure out that it was completely irrelevant that he tore his ACL. right. And no. again, this is, this is the second hindsight for you Voz, where hindsight has been 2020. The first one Vaz, played with the idea of Orlando Brown being the guy you re-sign over Stanley. See if you can get two first for Stanley. And then the second was basically why the hell did they draft JK Dobbins in the second round? You have Gus Edwards.
2: You do you have to. Tyson Williams. I mean, the the wheels are always turning with the guy. You got to at least grant him that.
0: You got to, you got to play the angles, man. You can't do i uh, I'm just contrarian by nature. I think the loss of of J.K. hurts. Um, You lose some explosiveness, some big big playability, and you also lose some versatility. Not that the other guys can't do what he did, but he could do everything, and you kind of keep the defense on the toes a little bit more than you can now. That being said, pretty much any running back that's been beside Lamar Jackson, since he took over as starter, has averaged about five yards of carry. Kenneth Dixon, obviously Gus Edwards for three years, um and uh justice hill even he puts up numbers mark ingram had the good first year last year i don't know if he lost a step i don't know if they were telegraphing it but uh I think, yeah. both. I think both you're gonna lose you know half a yard per carry maybe what's that average out to in a year a couple hundred yards so it's a loss but it's certainly not if you could afford a loss anywhere i think that's the place where they could afford it
1: Right. We hate to say that. And obviously you put it well, Vaz, you know, JK, big playability, the versatility. You love to have him. He's a matchup problem. He keeps Gus fresh and it does really stink to lose him. You feel awful for the guy. We wish him the best. We don't want to be too vain here, but at the same time, you know, one of the positions where, and especially like you said, in this Ravens offense, you can, it takes some wind out of your sail, but the sail's going to keep on moving. The ship's going to keep going. So stinks you know you can see the frustration on john harbaugh's face as soon as it happened uh they're gonna miss him and hopefully it's kind of like a you know win one for jk situation but uh unfortunate not a not a dagger not a dagger mm-hmm. exactly
2: yeah definitely one of those things where uh you would certainly prefer to have him he's just kind of that uh a, a force multiplier kind of in his own way of like yeah it's a little bit of a luxury and we said that i think even at the time and i i think that kind of bore itself out over the course of last season where, you know, they weren't even using him in the first half of the year. And people are like, what the hell are you doing? Like you drafted this guy and you're not even going to use him. He's a running back. There's a a little bit of a short shelf life with these guys. What are they doing? And then he kind of comes back in right when they, right when they need him. He's sort of the Prince that was promised down the stretch last year and, uh, proved himself to be a a really dynamic uh, piece of that offense. And, um, sort of bringing, I don't know, like what is, Uh, you know, rush points added were I think it was like twenty for the year, but he wound up being you know number one in overall shotgun carry rate. I think so. You know, just kind of interesting in the way that they knew exactly what they wanted to do with him last year. I think they had even more plans for him this year to incorporate him in new dynamic ways. So it does hurt in that regard. I hope there's no more structural damage than just the ACL. There was talk of LCL, PCL, that kind of stuff being involved. Which I don't know when we're supposed to hear more about that. But you definitely don't want any more structural damage for a running back and a guy of his stature uh, to that knee. But uh, you know, you, you do move forward. And like we've been saying, I think privately in the chat, pretty much since this happened, I think they're in good hands with Gus Edwards and I did a little write up on Tyson Williams and how he could be a good, uh, good, uh, you know, I wouldn't say replacement, but sort of a reasonable facsimile for what they can do with Dobbins to begin with.
1: Well said for sure. And Dobbins, as Va said, you know, the, rushing, the expected rushing yards per carry in the Ravens' offense is the highest in the NFL. So you can put in an average running back, and they're probably going to average four and a half yards a carry, which ranks in the top 20 in the NFL, especially given volume. I think the one thing is that Gus Edwards' tread is going to be tested. Uh, he you know, isn't going to have the benefit maybe of being kept fresh by Dobbins and able to pick and choose and kind of keep that – uh, it's like being able to switch between front wheel drive and then going into all wheel drive with both of them when you need it. I don't know what, no better way to put it. I'm sure there is, but you're going to ask Gus Edwards to really take a lot of wear and tear early, but Hey, he's a 235, 240 pound back. That's built like a brick shithouse. So at the end of the day, they're going to have to feed Gus. And it's an interesting thought experiment on seeing what he's able to do with the heavier workload. So, you know, it's not what you want, but There's some fascinating aspects as a ripple, a butterfly effect, if you will, off of it. And I, um, you know, I'm not excited to see what happens, but I'm curious.
0: Yeah, it's uh, fortunately running back. There's quite a few free agents, at least name free agents available right now. There will be more that will come available tomorrow at 4 p.m. And that's a position where you can find a contributor off the street if you need one. As compared to, God forbid, if, if Ronnie Stanley was the guy that got hurt, or Marlon Humphrey or one of their other top players. But just a tough training camp all the way around for the Ravens. There's been this the, dark cloud over it. The injuries, the COVID list, um, and they're really they're banged up. You don't know how banged up a lot of these guys are. I think we're gonna get into it when we do this breakdown here. But uh I'm glad that camp is is about to close and, and they can move past this period.
2: Yeah, definitely. And, um, it it is going to be interesting to see what happens with Gus to that first point there. You know, it was sort of, he was that closer. He played maybe the most unique role for a running back in the NFL where he wasn't this like scat pack, scat back or like a change of pace back. He was kind of like a throwback sort of power back type guy where they would bring him in to just, you know, he wouldn't see the field much in the first half. And then, uh, late third quarter, fourth quarter, when he got a lead, he just bring him in and he just chews up yards. And, uh, basically wins you games. So it's going to be interesting to see him maybe in a little bit of a reverse capacity there. I'd be interested to see what Williams and maybe justice Hill, if it's going to uh, be him making the roster here, as we'll discuss, if they're going to be kind of taking that JK role where they are sort of relied upon in the first half at the running back position, then they do bring in Gus as that closer. There's a lot of, a lot of permutation to consider with it all, but I guess we're going to be seeing uh, in a couple of weeks in week one, but I guess we have been alluding to it that, uh, Cutdown day is uh, pretty much here, and uh, we have had some coming through and some other moves coming through. So I got uh, Jeff Zreebik's Twitter pulled up here, who has been uh, all over this, uh, and you know he always is. So he's always on top of it. Follow him at Jeff Zreebik. That is Z-R-E-B-I-E-C. If you're not, I'm guessing you already are, of course, if you're listening to this. But uh, yeah, he's, he's staying on top of this stuff. So you had Nick Boyle. Let's uh let's go let's go through these. So I guess we can start with Nick Boyle, Spenny.
1: Nick Boyle is taken off the pup, and that means he's probably either going to be put on IR or I know the I know that the goal has always been for him to be ready for Week One, and I don't want to entirely rule that out yet, but I'd say that's a less likely situation.
0: The yeah. Harb's alluded to him not being ready for Week One, right? So I tend to think he's going to be on IR because it's a three-week IR, so he can he can be back relatively soon.
2: So I might have to do some rejiggering with my uh, my spreadsheet here, but uh, regardless, it uh, we you do have Jeff here saying Boyle not being ready for week one is a good sign for Eric Tomlinson's roster chances, who is a, a blocking tight end uh, that they have. And he says as a vested vet, Tomlinson could also be a wink-wink uh, cut with agreement to re-sign on Thursday it seems highly unlikely Ravens with, would go without a blocking tight end in week 1 so a lot of a lot of permutations to use that word again at the tight end position right now
1: spot on bang on uh, i think ben mason you know has taken snaps there and it feels like ricard it's either that you you want tomlinson back and i think they do but you might like to take their chances with ricard playing a lot more tight end snaps he probably has prepared I think that's a scenario that you run through right now through training camp of hey Boyle's probably going to miss time we have Mason Ricard took those snaps last year we can up that rely on Mark Andrews to hair more as a blocker and hey Ben Mason can probably go play three five snaps at tight end if you want in line and get some stuff done so uh, it's it's you know uh not a. Uh, not a huge deal either way, I want to say, but I think they like Eric Tomlinson. I think they see him as that quadruple A guy. They can come in and give you snaps. He did it last year. He has a full off season now. Uh, he makes a nice little diving catch in the back of the end zone, of course, puts a little cherry on top in Washington. Just adds a little, adds a little sprinkle, a little sauce on there uh, to, to say, hey, I'm here. I can, I can use these two paws of mine to reel in a pass from time to time, and you don't hate the guy. I don't. I have, I have no issues with Eric Tomlinson being on the roster, and I think that there's no way that the Ravens don't want him on the practice squad.
0: I've been very impressed with Thomas in the preseason. I was impressed with him last year, blocking. I mean, when they brought him in as as the blocking fullback, excuse me, tight end, that's when the running game finally got back on track. Um, So I do prefer him over Mason. It's funny how we're sitting here talking about IR and how long players are going to be and who's a vested veteran, and Ravens fans are always talking about comp picks and the salary cap. I think I find it hard to believe that many other fan bases are this plugged into the nitty gritty of, uh, of the roster manipulation. And it's pretty funny to me, but that's how the team operates. So uh, why, why shouldn't we?
2: Yeah, I think it's uh it kind of makes the fan base almost a little bit smarter in that regard. And I think that's uh, pretty fun. Uh, you know, we do have our, our fair share of dummies just as any fan base does, but uh, I love how into the weeds, you know, we do right. tend to get with this stuff. I think it's a, a, a good reflection on the front office and a, a good reflection on the fan base, but I guess that is uh, all we've got for tight end, which, you know, obviously we'll be diving more into it. But then next tweet from Jeff with Marquise Brown returning to practice, which he just did today after a couple weeks. Sounds like the Ravens cut a few wide receivers as part of their initial roster moves. Devin Gray, Siassi Mariner, and Deion Kane among their moves today per source. There could be a few other cuts, although Ravens do, uh, will do heavy roster lifting tomorrow. So then he goes on to kind of, uh, explain all of that, and then also sort of throws in throws it in there that uh, they threw J.K. Dobbins on the season-ending IR, so he's out yet, uh, and they terminated the contract of offensive tackle slash guard Michael Schofield.
1: Bingo! So we're doing receiver now.
2: So I was just kind of still go- going through the news. I was just still going through the news, and oh, then it, okay, 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 yeah. Sorry. So they so all that Schofield is gone, Deon Kane gone. You know, just sort of these back into the wide receiver room right. guys that probably weren't going to make it. Then they had a visit with a uh, Blake Gallagher apparently recently, who was a uh, inside linebacker. So I don't know if they're going to be looking to add a depth piece there, but
1: Minnesota. Uh, no, let's I'm see. Beginning.
2: I think Texans maybe. Let me because Aaron Wilson tweeted it and he's down in Houston.
1: Northwestern. Okay, I, that name does not even really ring a bell for
2: me. Gotcha. Yeah. So I I didn't know who it was either, but Jeff actually t- quote tweeted it and said Gallagher tried out with the Ravens at the rookie minicamp. Could be an eventual practice squad signing. Ravens only have four inside linebackers on roster and they're all projected to make team. So they'll want to sign an inside linebacker to a practice squad. So that's just probably a practice squad move and uh maybe kind of all we need to uh all we need to talk about before getting into the position groups, unless you guys got anything else on all that.
0: I think Kane played pretty well, but with the amount of young talent they have, it just didn't quite make sense to keep him. Schofield, I thought, played his way onto the bubble after the second preseason game and played his way off the team in the third preseason
2: game. Yeah. Kane was an interesting one. And he, uh, he was a guy who I think a lot of people liked as a, a dude who coming out of Clemson, some people saw as maybe promising as like a uh, diamond in the rough type guy. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it just didn't seem like to, it was going to be in the cards for him after the rest of the uh, offseason move moves played out because he was a very early signing and he was one of those moves, actually, where people were like mocking it at the time. Like, oh, this is the big wide receiver move, just like the uh, oh Josh Oliver. This is the big move, eh? Well, let's let's all just kind of relax here. Are you vaping right now? Yeah.
0: Is that okay? Is <laughs> no, that out?
2: No, that's totally fine. I was just <laughs> I was caught off guard because like I uh, I was like half looking at my uh, my spreadsheet when I looked out, <laughs> I could see you like puffing a fat cloud, which you know it's, <laughs> it's very much welcome on these airwaves, but. uh, yeah, I guess we can uh, jump into it, boys, if you're ready. I've got my uh, my sheet pulled up here. I don't know if you guys uh, have yours, but uh, I guess we can get into some roster 53-man uh, cut-down talk.
1: To quote Dewey Cox, let's duet.
2: Let's duet. So <laughs> quarterback, there, there's two options here, and they're both going to you know 100% make the team. It's Lamar Jackson. It's Tyler Huntley. Any words on quarterback from you, Voss? Uh,
0: yeah, I was listening to, I think it was Warren Sharp. Yesterday or today, um, saying that the Ravens had had one of the worst or the worst backup quarterback situations in the NFL. I disagree with that. I think Snoop Puntley has played pretty darn well. I think he's a seamless fit. The question is, and I guess it's not much of a question, but Trace United was uh, did practice today, um, so they don't they don't have to IR him, which I guess saves some cap space or or uh, or injury wave him, but. Uh, we think he makes to the P squad, or you're just cutting bait and saying let's get a mobile quarterback in the uh, in the draft next year.
2: For me, I I wrote him down as P squad and protected because it's going to be behooving them to. And as much as we talk about you know play styles not mattering with you know quarterbacks potentially getting hurt, I mean Lamar is a mobile quarterback. It's probably good to have three quarterbacks in the picture, even not with a mobile quarterback. If you have the capacity to do so and with the practice squad protections i think if you have a little handshake deal with trace we'll put you on the practice squad we'll protect you give you another year to kind of develop here while you also come back from this back injury all that combined with the fact that Lamar's not going to be getting the vaccine like we can pretty much resign ourselves to that at this point like there's some uncertainty with the quarterback position and um jackson like you know if i had my druthers he play all 17 games i'm hoping that's going to be the case but uh you got to be prepared for the uh, the fact that he's not whether it's hurt, whether it's COVID, whether it's something uh, you know of that nature. I think having Trace in the picture as a protected practice squad player would be what I would do. So that's what I wrote down. Not sure how it's going to shake out, but as of uh, my sheet, I have Lamar Jackson starter, Tyler Huntley number two, Trace McSorley protected practice squad quarterback.
0: Just for clarity, so they have to, I believe, clear waivers initially. On Tuesday, and then on Thursday, they can go in the practice squad, but somebody could claim them in that 48 hour window.
2: In that sense, like I'm fine exposing them to waivers. Like, I, right. you know, I, I, we, we love Trace here. Obviously, we've, uh, we've, you know, had a lot of fun with, uh, all that. And it actually, you know, it came to, I mean, It came to its zenith recently when I met him outside of a Chipotle and we had, we had a few nice words and a fist bump and a, a selfie. So uh, that was great and we love Trace. But uh, I'm fine exposing him to waivers. Honestly, I don't think anyone's going to be in any rush to pick him up anyway. So uh, I'd say uh, let's let's go ahead and do that. And there's there's plenty of options out there on the quarterback market if you need it anyway.
1: I feel like his back injury is kind of a load of baloney. I don't know how you hurt your back and then go play in a game after. I don't I don't know fishy. I think he's a practice squad player. I don't think anyone's looking to take him and put him on their 53 in week one. So take that for what you want. But yeah, I think it's just Jackson and Huntley. Huntley, to me, just two sentences it was a little erratic first two weeks, but we saw him settle in, step up in the pocket, put plenty of touch on the ball, spray the ball around the field. Had three, I'm going to say three dimes. And I don't like to throw a dime around lightly. You know, speaking of Trent Dilfer. You know, get me riled up. I'll scream in a kid. I was going to say, don't come through the screen
2: here and, like, grab me by the collarbone and start, you know, giving me the business.
1: That's a dime. But he had a couple really beautiful throws, uh, two to Deion Kane that he couldn't bring in. Maybe that's why he is no longer in consideration and one of the first exposed. So I thought Huntley played extremely well, and that was a nice game for him to maybe settle in and maybe gives you a glimpse into, you know, knock on wood if he has to play three, four, five, ten games probably is going to be pretty frantic for a couple games and maybe he's able to settle in and give you some quality games. And Hey, if you need him for a month, maybe he's able to go two and two, something like that. Uh, so yeah. Pre- trace to practice squad, I think is pretty likely. And Huntley is, he's an okay backup. Yeah. He's got some ability to run and move and throw on the run and things like that. So I don't hate Tyler Huntley at all.
2: Yeah. Neither do I. I think uh, I had plenty to say about, sort of his his touch or lack thereof in the first two games, it was just kind of an ugly watch. And uh, I think it was just more sympt- symptomatic of the entire offense. And uh, we talked about them being frantic at times during the regular season and even the playoffs last year. They, it still looked kind of frantic, but I don't totally blame them because they just didn't have nearly the amount of starters out there that they would have liked. And this is kind of not really going to be close to the final product of what we're going to see in week one, hopefully. So... I wasn't too worried about that. And then he goes out there against Washington and uh, has the probably the performance of uh, his career. So uh, he's going to be sticking around as the QB, two, and I don't have nearly as much qualms about it as maybe I would have had a few weeks ago.
0: If Lamore has a close contact, uh, miss a game, I think. It's a bit on the opponent, obviously, but I think Huntley uh, Holly can, Holly can rack up a W, potentially.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, they almost... They really should have won a game with trace like in the second half last season. And like, I mean, you, you can do that. You can probably, you know, pull something out with Huntley if you have to. And uh yeah, I, I'd be intrigued to uh, kind of see that if that were the, to be the case, I'm obviously not hoping for it, but I'd be relatively comfortable. Uh So running back, I wrote down Gus Edwards as the starter, Tyson Williams as the number two and justice Hill as the number three tenure might have justice Hill as the number two or whatever that might be. But It does seem like there is, I I wouldn't say bad blood, but it does seem like the coaching staff is maybe a little frustrated with him in some respects, but uh, it does sound like uh, his job was saved by the J.K. Dobbins injury, and I I got him coming back here as uh, running back number three, and then uh, hopefully getting Nate McCrary onto the practice squad.
1: Boom. Pat Ricard, throw him on the end of it. He's the fullback. We'll put him in the running back.
2: I had fullback in its own category, but yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I concur with that. Hill still hasn't returned, to my knowledge. So I guess there is some ambiguity if he will be ready for week one. Could he potentially be an IR, short-term IR candidate? I suppose. Um, And I'd also keep an eye out to see who's released tomorrow. But um, those are the three. I I think Tyson's got some some juice. Um, He can make some plays in this scheme.
2: Yeah, definitely, and uh, there's been some names bandied about. You got Todd Gurley on the uh, open market. Guys like Adrian Peterson, even on the open market. I've seen people talking about, which would be an interesting one. Uh, and then other names. Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon. So my Le'Veon. buddy sent me
0: that today. My buddy,
2: yeah. Yeah, well, I, I got I actually got uh, plenty of that when I, I threw. A, I tweeted about Gurley, and then I, I wrote the Williams article, and uh, people were kind of coming at me with the Le'Veon Bell thing. And listen, you know, whatever. It just <laughs> doesn't really sound like it's all there, like attitude-wise, with Bell at this point. So I'll probably. Probably would be a no for me, but I guess we'll see what happens in that regard but yeah I think I think they're good with the three guys that they have. sounded like uh, sounded like Harbs was saying as much at the press conference today uh, but you know you, you also can't really take the Ravens at their word at this point
1: I uh, yeah I, I think that there's probably three rooms where I have a high likelihood of a waiver player or veteran being added. And those three are going to be running back, offensive line, and linebacker. I also wouldn't be shocked by defensive line. I'll put that in the second tier. So I think that, you know, I'm, I'm going to put 53 players out there, and I'm going to, for the sake of the exercise at the end, remove one and say that there's going to be a waiver player that gets put on the 53. Or just a signing. A guy like, you know, Vandarek McKinney just comes available. Hey, you need a veteran linebacker like LJ Fort, maybe. If that's the best of the bunch between running back, offensive line, and linebacker. Maybe you can go add him. So that's uh, an interesting situation to watch for. But, yeah, at this point, I uh, think that's what they roll with, unless they're able to make some hay on the waiver wire and get someone that would be considered an upgrade to Justice Hill, maybe someone who has a explosive skill set, adds a little bit more speed and receiving ability to uh, kind of mirror what Justice Hill does and maybe be a little bit more frisky in that category.
2: For sure. So... Had uh, Pat Ricard in his own category at fullback, but uh, yeah, that moves us on to tight end where I've got.
0: So everybody's agreed that we're, we're pushing Mason to the practice squad. I got I have Ma- him at tight end.
2: I've got Mason okay. at tight end. Yeah. So moving gotcha. to tight end, I got Mark Andrews one, obviously. I have Eric Tomlinson within Askerisk uh, at two, Josh Oliver, three, Ben Mason, four, and Nick Boyle, obviously out of the picture, but to return for Tomlinson when it's his time.
1: I've got Andrews, Boyle, Oliver, Mason. And we'll see what happens with Boyle. I think obviously, you know, Tomlinson's probably going to be P squad. If not on the opening day roster, if Boyle is put on the IR.
0: So I do not have Mason. I don't, I think he's going to go on P squad. There's about six or eight teams that roster a fullback and they already have fullbacks. So, and worst comes to worst, you can get a fullback next year because a lot of college teams use fullbacks. So I don't have Mason making it. I don't think he quite adds enough. I prefer Tomlinson to him. One spoiler is put on IR. Um, and also just want to mention, I think Tony Poljan is a nice practice squad option.
2: So is that the, is that the Voss projection? Cause I'm going off of what I think they're going to do. Uh,
0: that's both. That's both. Okay. Yeah. I've seen a couple other people plugged in even, uh, Eisenberg didn't have Mason, I believe.
2: Interesting. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. I was just curious cause uh, the way you phrased it. Um, so we're we're good on tight end there. Poljan, I actually do think is probably a little bit, uh, I don't know if I'd say slept on, but a lot of people do seem to like him as an intriguing option. So maybe we'll see him on the P squad. Uh, anything more on tight end?
1: There's no fucking way they're not putting Ben Mason on the active roster. He plays special teams. I think
2: they love him.
1: I think, I think he is John Harbaugh's cake. Yeah. And I think that he can't eat the cake. So to pause speak, but I think you can't have him and Levine. And I think you have no reason to keep Levine. We'll get into that when we get to the safety DB room. But Ben Mason is a Harbaugh guy. Literally, he comes from Jim Harbaugh and has graduated to John Harbaugh. They drafted him. Harbaugh is going to stick his neck out, slam the table. He probably shaves Ben Mason's freaking mohawk himself at this point. I'm very confident Ben Mason is going to make the 53. I think they like him. I think they're, tr- I think they're in the position where Ricard, can eat some of those boil snaps in line as the true Y and Mason can then be the fullback. I think we see Mason get five to 10 snaps in Las Vegas.
0: Interesting. All right. We'll see. We'll see. I, I, uh, I feel pretty confident, but uh, I think uh, Carball is going to say, got it, the cost that say we have to keep him because it's going to say, maybe if he didn't play Dobbins, you'd have a little more leverage.
1: Well played, EDC. Well played.
0: Very true. Um,
1: and then he takes a swig of his Coca-Cola and a bite of his Dunkin' Donut donut. Yeah,
2: yeah so we got um, – yeah, so I mean that's the Mason discussion. I do think they're going to hang out. I think they uh, – man, I just think they they like him a lot. Some of the run that he was getting, some of the plays that he was making in the preseason, I think they like the some of the blocks – that he threw, uh, it, just, it just feels like they they just fucking can't help themselves. And this is just one of those guys that they can't help themselves on. Uh, wide receiver, left to right I have Marquise Brown, one, Sammy Watkins, two, Rashad Bateman, three, uh, Devin DuVernay, four, James Prochet, five, Tylon Wallace, six, Miles Boykin on the outside looking in.
1: I have the exact same list. I think that Bateman is an IR, and you roll with those five, I think that Miles Boykin gets put on waivers. I think he gets claimed very quickly. I feel like the Ravens are going to make Boykin and Victor like three fifty-eight, three fifty-nine cuts. Like they're going to do it too. like is at the last minute they can put Boykin and Victor on waivers. They will, and that's why they're see, you're seeing them offer up Kane early and offer up some other guys. Maybe we see Jalen Moore offered up a couple hours early. They want to try to retain one of Victor and Boykin is my inkling.
0: Uh, so I have seven wideouts, and I have Boykin making the team and then hitting IR immediately along with Bateman. I think for as injured as this wide receiver core is, it would be nice to have a player you can call on in midseason. We still don't know what the hell's going on with Sammy Watkins. Hollywood did return today, but Sammy we don't know. Um, so I guess that's our, our biggest difference so far. I boy you guys have Mason. Um, I think he has more value than uh than Mason and I think around the league. So, uh, it works. I, I, I actually think they might be able to sneak Prochet onto the P squad just because wide receiver I know Jake talks about that a lot how deep wide receiver is around the league. Um, and then. You definitely want to have somebody on the practice squad. I do. I prefer Jalen Moore, but they have a couple, couple nice options
2: there. Yeah, I mean to be clear, like if if this were me, I would keep Miles Boykin over Ben Mason. Fair enough. Offensive line. I got Ronnie. Stan. Go ahead.
1: I was just going to say I'm I'm putting Cologne on P squad if I can, and I'm putting Ely on P squad if I can, and I think that
2: sums out my my nine. I think yeah. So for me, I did. Ronnie Stanley left tackle starting at left guard. I got Ben Powers right now. Ben Cleveland behind him starting at center. You got Bradley Bozeman. Actually, I had Cologne on the 53 as a backup center at right guard. I got Kevin Zeitler, Makari behind him. He's listed as a right guard. Uh, and then Al Villanueva and Tyree Phillips at right tackle. So I got nine.
0: Um, I have nine, but I have Ely making the team. I think they've been trying to hide him a little bit. I think he's played too well to be hidden. And he also plays tackle. And they've had a couple years now where they let go of a tackle thinking he would make it through to the P squad and he didn't. So that's going to leave the final battle between McCarty and Cologne for the ninth spot. And I don't honestly don't know which way they're going to go. Um, because essentially who's the backup center? And McCarty has more experience. But uh, if if there is one kind of eyebrow raising cut tomorrow, I think it might be McCauley.
2: Yeah, I think that's probably why it hung on to McCauley is that versatility. So to me,
1: I'm looking through the lens here. I have very little insight, and I'm looking through the lens of NFL GMs. We don't we give them too much credit, and to me, that says that Ben Bredesen. I think the final three spots are between Bredesen, Cologne, and McCauley, and I think they keep two. I think Bredesen was a fourth round pick and drafted guys, especially, you know, not a seventh round guy. They're always going to get circulated first. You know, if it's a first round guy, they're going to get six chances. Josh Rosen's going to play for another three years. Kevin White's been signed 50 times. We're talking about a, you know, a fourth round guy who hasn't really played much, but anyway, you get the point. Then Macari another UDFA, but has plenty of starts to his name. So he's going to be intriguing. He has versatility. That's going to be intriguing. Cologne, I actually might like the best of these three uh, overall, you know, in terms of being a viable option on the offensive line, but UDFA hasn't played a ton, not a ton of buzz around him. No one really mentions his name. I think you can sneak him onto the practice squad.
0: To me, it's kind of the positional value conversation. Guards are just easiest to find. Most tackles can kick into guard in a pinch and, if you're a decent tackle, you're probably a pretty good guard. So I don't have Bertisson. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, I guess we'll see how it shakes out. Just another note, Juwan James is on the non-football injury list. He can be activated in week nine.
1: Bingo. they don't
0: a- have and they don't have to reserve a spot for him. They just keep him on that list.
1: I I, I think that's a tough situation. I think we're I think generally the consensus on him is a little higher than it might end up resulting in and I think the Ravens took a flyer and it's a tough tough flyer to take but I would rather have taken the flyer than not at all
2: any last thoughts on offense before we switch over
1: so I guess that leaves me with 25 on offense and I guess notably Vaz had Boykin and Jake and I had Mason and then it was uh the, the offensive line discussion we just had
2: yeah I had 25 as well I think we were pretty much in lockstep on our pick so that makes sense uh, but yeah, I guess we can uh, switch over to defense. Then uh, first up, defensive tackle, Calais Campbell, Justin Matabike for me.
0: Just two? Oh, you're doing it by so tackle. it's
2: just so it's defensive tackle. So let me uh, let me actually, I can just pull this up. Um, let's call it. Let's call it defensive line. Yeah. So uh, do, yeah, defensive line. I should have done it. So like let's go,
1: Calais Campbell, Brandon Williams, Derek Wolf, Justin Matabike, and Broderick Washington. I'm going to go ahead and guess Vaz. That is your five. I'm stuck between, you know, I think there's a heavy possibility that either Ellis or McPhee or possibly both considering they have very low guaranteed money can be cut and resigned. I don't think McPhee wants to go anywhere. If they were like, Hey, Pernell, we'll give you an eight, an extra 800 grand uh, in, the, in another veteran minimum to bring you back in. Or I guess it would be, you get an extra 200 grand or 167, whatever. I'm confusing myself, but Hey, we'll give you an extra couple of hundred thousand dollars. We're going to cut you, bring you back. You'd be like, OK, uh, Ellis, may be the same thing. So I'm going to go with uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go team Vaz here, which I think Vaz is going to do and go five. I think they uh, they kick Ellis out. I don't think they keep Crawford. I think they end up bringing Ellis back and keeping Crawford on the P squad. And they have the five, maybe even into week one. They have the five on the active roster that are uh, Campbell, Williams, Wolf, Matt of Weekend, Washington.
2: Yeah, so I actually I had the five. I had Campbell. Williams and Wolf starting at DTNT and DE and then uh, Manabike at DT behind Campbell and uh, Washington at DN behind Derek Wolf. And I did have them just kind of cutting bait with Ellis. Um, They do seem to like him to your point. He's kind of like, he's just good at what he does, even if it's not like all that valuable in some people's eyes. Uh, But I do kind of see them moving on and uh, yeah, I only went with the five.
0: Yeah. This is a conversation we were discussing on the Slack months ago, Spenny. I remember five DL. You guys said the same five that I do. Um, I think they can bring jelly back later in the season when they need to. And also probably get Crawford to the practice squad. If not, they can find a nose tackle on the street. If they really need one, we've seen it. They don't play very much base at all. I think there's less than, or I think there's 1.9 defensive linemen on the field per snap last year, something along those lines. Um, and just another note, they don't play the Browns until week 12. Um, they do play the Vikings. They do play another team, heavy-run team. But I think they can get by to start the season with the five right now.
1: I think the Raiders – let's let's look at the schedule real quick just for a quick, quick exercise on who runs the ball. The Raiders run the ball. I think the Chiefs sneakily are going to run the ball slightly more but still wouldn't say they run the ball. I think the Lions are going to run the ball. I think the Broncos are going to run the ball. I think the Colts are going to run the ball. Vikings, Bears, and then there you go, Browns. So I, th- I think there are some teams that run the ball. I think the only ones that scare you are probably maybe the Broncos a little bit, the Vikings, and then finally the Browns. So you definitely have a point there. But I uh, it's, it's tough trying to predict these whole who's going to wink and nod and if it's even worth it to them, and it depends on how many guys. But I, do, I did mention previously, I think that that's one of the three positions that I would absolutely see them bringing in someone else. And like Jake said, I think that the Ravens, number one, I think the Ravens think highly of Justin Ellis and his ability to simply execute his assignment with consistency. And number two, I think that the biggest discrepancy, if you were to ask maybe a defensive coach, especially one that runs uh, you know, a zero or one tech versus the analytics guru of, of, you know, X website, I would say the biggest discrepancy in value would be between a nose tackle for an analytics person seeking a run-stuffing nose tackle as an absolute zero and a defensive you know, line coach or a defensive coordinator highly valuing having a two-gapping uh, nose tackle and then a backup. So I think that's an interesting kind of food for thought overall, and I, I do think that the Ravens value Ellis, and I would be surprised to see him completely cut ties with and just gone i think i think he is playing in games for the ravens at some point this year
2: yeah it feels like when you get to like late november early december there's just all this churn with the roster and a lot of it does seem to occur along the defensive line so to that to that uh sort of idea i could definitely see him within the picture for the near future but just not uh on the opening 53 uh anything more on the defensive line
0: no, no, you guys are right about Jelly Ellis. They gave him more guaranteed money in the offseason than most people were expecting, and they usually carry six. What's it's his just, guaranteed money? I don't recall at the top of my head, but I know it was a little bit more than, uh, than most people were expecting. It's just tough because they have a lot of talented young guys upcoming, and you want to try to find spots for them because it seems that like there's a higher likelihood that somebody's going to poach those guys.
2: Yeah, and that's a that's a good problem to have too. And it's one that yeah. uh, I, I think maybe like in during Ozzy's tenure, you might be a little bit more inclined to keep a, a jelly around, but I feel like EDC would maybe prioritize the future a little bit more.
1: So I'm just gonna rattle off some guaranteed money. It's Justin Ellis, two hundred and sixty two thousand, McPhee, three hundred twelve thousand, Levine two hundred thousand, Tomlinson a hundred thousand. So they already parted with a hundred thousand there on uh, Tomlinson. And of those, McPhee does have the highest. So, I think that Levine and uh, Ellis are are next in line, strictly by number of dollars, to be the wink, the nod deal guys.
0: I mean, we're almost projecting like, what's a rush going to be on Tuesday, and what's what's rush going to be, you know, t- uh, ten days from now? But uh, exactly, exactly. It's, it's you know, with these uh, these gymnastics the Ravens like to do, it's interesting.
2: Yeah. And, you know, all we can really do at this point is the 53. So that's what we're doing. But we'll we'll certainly uh, throw out the permutations as we see them as well. So that's something to keep an eye on, uh, not only at this position, but uh, with others. And uh, speaking of others, we can go into the linebacking core now, if you guys are ready. Uh, I had six. Pernell McPhee starting at rush, Justin Houston behind him, Jalen Ferguson, number three, middle linebacker. I've got Patrick Queen, Christian Welch behind him, and then weak side linebacker Malik Harrison.
1: i'm kind of uh, confused here or the outside way? outside okay. Right. yeah okay, okay. yeah okay. let me For some reason i thought i heard patrick queen
2: so okay. i so what i did was let me pull it up so the way they like list the depth chart they do like mike uh will and or yeah okay so um
0: so you don't have boredom
2: no so i got rid of board so i did yeah so here's my full group so i did rush Pernell McPhee, Justin Houston, Jalen Ferguson. Obviously, that's not like totally reflective of like how it's going to shake out snap count wise, but that's just how they have them listed on their site. Uh, uh-huh. So Pernell McPhee, Justin Houston, Jalen Ferguson at rush. Mike linebacker, Patrick Queen, Christian Welch, uh, Will, Malik Harrison, Sam, Tyus Bowser, Odafẹ Away, Dalen Hayes.
0: Um. So I have board making the team. Um. So that would give them a two deep at both inside backer spots and with all the special teams guys they've already cut or have been injured. I think they want to keep board um, overpaid or not. And outside backer, I, I'm like the biggest Pramel McPhee fan or one of them around. One of my favorite players. I think he is the wink nod guy for sure. So I I had to make room. So I figured that they're going to Since he is a vested veteran, they're going to let him go tomorrow and then re-sign him on Thursday once they move uh, Boykin and Bateman to IR.
1: I think that the conversations that are going on are probably between Ferguson and then Crawford and and Ellis there. And it's – I don't know. It's tough. I I, I left Ferguson off, but I kind of feel stupid because – it just seems like they've put in too much work. And if there is a sunk cost, it is like developmental effort put into Ferguson. And I think that they have spoken highly. I think we've seen it on the field and we've seen it in the press conferences. And sure, it could be smoke. They could be, you know, trying to increase trade value or get somebody to bite a la Sean Wade or, you know, Corey Vedvik, whatever. But it's, it's tough. I mean, ideally, I guess, is it worth it for a couple hundred grand to keep Ferguson? I think the answer is Yeah. Uh, the other guy to watch out for just in terms of making it onto the team at some point this year is, is Chris Smith. I think he's played well. He's done a good job. I think they like his versatility being able to rush out of a five technique and have his hand in the dirt and things like that. So I'm going to go with Houston away Bowser Hayes. Uh, and then I'll, I'll go with uh, I'll just go with they cut McPhee, bring in Ferguson, do the IRs and then bring him back. So, so we'll, we'll, we'll go with five tentatively and they end up bringing McPhee back to make six.
2: Yeah, to your point, like literally right before we got going, I had Ellis on the final roster, and I had Ferguson on the outside looking in, and I was like, well, I think they'll prioritize the the youth there and the, the development they've at least tried to get going.
0: And it's a nice rotation with, with Ferguson and Hayes, who looks like a draft a steal at this point. Um, I think Ferguson has some versatility to play on the defensive line if you need him there in a pinch. Uh, I think – you know, they, they seem to really like him. So I, it, that's, it's kind of funny if you think about it before the draft outside linebacker was one of the biggest weaknesses on the team and now it has a potential to be one of the biggest strengths.
1: They have a really nice rotation between Houston being a savvy pass rusher, Bowser's coverage ability and general versatility, away's speed, Hayes, kind of uh just solid play. And then McPhee setting the edge and Ferguson being a, Ferguson just seems like he's getting more disruptive as time goes on, and he can be a disruptive force. So I think he is worth keeping in the end, and I think we see McPhee cut, Ferguson kept.
2: For sure. And I did get a little mixed up there, so that's our outside linebackers. Inside linebackers, to your point, I had Patrick Queen, Malik Harrison, Christian Welch, Voss. It sounded like you went with uh, Chris
0: Board there. I did. I had it on board. Originally, I thought Welsh could be – Cut and then resigned, but Spencer reminded me he would have to clear waivers because he's a second-year player, so I do have all four. I wouldn't be surprised if they looked for a linebacker that was cut from another team to take one of those spots. I think I saw Bernardrick McKin- McKinney was cut today. Yeah, well, I don't know what he wants to – and he's probably looking to start. He's probably going to cost a lot of money. But linebackers get cut. It's not a premium position, so that's a place to keep an eye on.
1: I'm pretty positive they don't they have a linebacker in Las Vegas that they don't currently have. Uh, I think that it's gonna be Queen, Harrison, Board, and someone else. And I think Welch is gonna be someone they put on waivers. Um, so I'm gonna go I'm just gonna go with those three and say that they get someone
2: else. Fair enough. Yeah, and maybe I maybe I'd even be taking the same approach there. So I guess we'll see what happens in that regard. That's where the LJ Ford injury kind of throws a wrench into things. But uh, is that all we got on the backers? Yes cornerback so left corner i got marcus peters jimmy smith nigel warrior jimmy smith it sounds like progressing but not as well as they initially thought per john harbaugh so hopefully he's going to be back practicing i think next week he said uh but we'll see what happens with that timeline right cornerback i got marlon humphrey Tavon young anthony Averett.
0: um i went deep the corner real quick on jimmy though do you put Jimmy on IR? It's been a month. Would you would you rather have just put everybody on IR and just come out firing week six? I don't know. Yeah, because <laughs> Jimmy Jimmy hasn't practiced in a month. We know he's injury prone. I think he did. You that. got Averett, right? So anyway, at corner, I have seven corners making the team. I have Marlowe, uh, Peters, Jimmy making the team and then hitting IR. Davion Young, Anthony Averett, Art Darius Washington as the backup slot man. And I have Nigel Warrior also making the team. I do not have Chris Westry making the team. Um, Second-year player, he was a UDFA. He spent most of the last year on Dallas' practice squad. I think he's a little bit too much of a project. If the Ravens were hurting a cornerback, he'd definitely be a guy to keep, but they're just so loaded at cornerback, I don't see the need for a project. They might be able to flip him. Arizona is in desperate need of corners, apparently.
1: I have Peter Smith Westry, Humphrey Young and Averett. I they have Washington listed as a safety I think he's a slot safety kind of hybrid yeah Washington,
2: I had Washington uh, at free safety
1: right so I'm gonna go with six um, I think that that I think they're gonna keep Westry I think they like the developmental traits um, I'm not confident in putting him in a game right now in the regular season I think that he ultimately flames out but I think that they're too tantalized by his traits, the speed, the length, and the ball skills that we've seen to, to break across the ball and undercut passes. I, I feel like he gets scooped right up and I feel like Dacosta is not going to want to let him go for nothing. Uh, I think that you can kind of dangle him in front of some teams and maybe get a pick out of it or something. And worst case, you've got a developmental corner that's really long and, uh, his, I mean, his problem. I, I didn't, I didn't really watch tape on him or anything out of Kentucky, but I read like ten quick scouting reports, and maybe they're all just copycats. That can happen, but every single one was trouble processing route combos, fails to execute assignments in zone, and those are the things that I've seen in the preseason at times where he kind of just starts to think and then lets someone slip behind him, and then there's a big play coming, and I think that he's not quite refined there, but you're going to get refined, Baltimore's a good place. You're in a room with Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey, and Jimmy Smith, not to mention Tavon Young. And uh, I don't think Anthony Averett's too shabby mentally either. So I think they ultimately keep six with Westry and Averett both making it. Uh, I think they value that back end. And again, if if you burn John Harbaugh and Eric Acosta, it won't happen again. And I think they saw how desperate they were in Cleveland in the second half of the game after, I believe, Marcus Peters got banged up. And uh, in Pittsburgh, you've got Demetrius – or excuse me, Devontae Harris playing some corner, and he did well in that game. But uh, I do think they keep six, and I think that Westry stays.
2: Yeah, so basically for me and you, it came down to Warrior versus Westry. So I went with Warrior uh, there at left cornerback. Anything else on corner before we jump into these safeties?
0: Just – that's that's really the debate, right? Warrior versus Westry. I think Warrior brings more on special teams, and as much as we want to diminish – that phase, they still need to line up eleven guys on special teams. So I think Warrior, at least according to Jeff Z, Warrior would be poached immediately if he hit the wire, too. So that's uh that's an interest. That'll be something interesting to watch.
2: Yeah, I think it's kind of intangibles and in what they've put on tape versus the tangibles with the length that Westry has. And a lot of the time, that length and the physical stuff does win out. But I it just I got the I've got a little hunch that I think they really like Warrior.
1: I like Warrior better than Westry. I, I don't think that's what ends up happening, but I certainly like Warrior more. I actually think I like Warrior more than any quote-unquote bubble DB other than maybe Geno Stone. Uh, I like Warrior over Washington. I like him over Westry as a player that can be inserted into a defensive team and make an impact. So I hope that is the case.
2: Yeah, so speaking of safety, we can move there now, and it's interesting, boss, that you listed Ardarius Washington – As a corner and maybe, you know, in a a way I did go with seven corners because I think Ardarius Washington maybe could or would play both uh, in a pinch. Uh, So I had him as uh, the back half of my free safety group. So free safety, Uh, I had Deshaun Elliott starting, Brandon Stevens behind him, Ardarius Washington number three. Wink and nod with Anthony Levine so he doesn't make the strong safety room. I got Chuck Clark and I got Geno Stone, who is listed as a strong safety on their site.
0: That's exactly what I have also, um, and I wasn't too high on Stone entering camp, and he performed pretty well. And I think you need a natural safety to play the back end. Stevens is also a little bit of a hybrid kind of guy. So I have Gino making it, and I do have Anthony Levine coming back in time for week one. He's the glue that holds a special team together. He's the captain of special teams. I think he's more valuable than any of the other special teams only kind of guys.
1: I went ahead and went with Clark, Elliott, Stone, Stevens, and Washington. Um, it's tough, tough looking at Westry, Washington, and Warrior again. I would take Warrior over them. I feel like of them again, you're examining who who goes on waivers and gets poached or doesn't get poached. And I think Washington now has made a couple of people think, "Oh, wow, he's you know the size isn't an issue." Uh, so I think. He may be a poachable player and, and teams might have be like, oh, yeah, OK, he you know, we didn't want to take the chance now. But now that we've seen a little bit of preseason action, he might be worth a spot, especially if there's, you know, an injury or, uh, you know, he's worth a waiver claim, I think. So I go with Washington to round out. I think that Stone and Stevens are the direct, you know, second unit with Stone playing more of uh, Elliott's role and Stevens playing more of Clark's role in terms of walking down into the slot and into the box. Stevens, Clark. And then playing a little more single high, Elliott and Stone. And uh, I'll, I'll go with Washington. Washington has this tweet out there right now Uh that's throwing news. us all for a loop. You're not, really, you're not really taking a chance when you knew you was born to win. Still going. So
2: that to me, that's like, I don't, I don't know, 65%. They I mean, Jerry and Jerry said on the broadcast, I I don't know if it was the most they've ever given to an undrafted free agent in terms of like a guarantee of maybe 100 K or something like that. They it sounds like they really wanted him on the the 90 band and uh, he's played well enough, I think, to justify 53. They
1: actually gave Ely 90 grand and 668 grand and then Washington, 85 grand, 665. So, hey, maybe maybe Vaz uh, nails Ely. And uh, Neil's Washington there. Ely would not be surprising just because of the tackle
2: situation. And I I might actually do that myself too. Like speaking of like going with what you're going to do versus what you think is going to happen, I might prefer Ely over somebody like a, a Cologne or McCari, But uh, I just I kind of think that they're going to go that that different way. But I just
0: um, I think they don't want to be stuck with trying to use guards to tackle again, like they were last year again. You know that's uh, but. Who knows? I, they, I feel like they've done things just a little bit differently this year with some of the special teams guys, letting uh, Jordan Richards go early, letting Devontae Harris go early. So, it's all—it's all just trying to read through the lines, read between the lines. We'll find out.
2: Absolutely. Hey, remember read between the lines? That was a huge <laughs> insult in the early two thousands. <laughs> So that is uh that's 50 players right there and then it is rounded out by your new wolf pack with uh, Justin Tucker kicker Sam Cook at punter Nick Moore your new Long snapper there, stepping in for Morgan Cox. Can they teach
0: Bredesen how to long snap? Is I was that- gonna say,
2: like, it's kind of preposterous. <laughs> like, I'm doing this uh, this Madden series on YouTube, which you should check out if you haven't already. It's uh, episode one aired today. Just kind of doing that for a little bit of fun. And like, I'm getting to the final cutdowns. But, like, Nick Moore is like a a tight end rated like 38, and I'm like, all right, well, I, I guess I have to keep this guy for like realism purposes. But like, this is like, can we figure something else out here?
0: You'd think for a team that's so interested in gaining the little minor edges, where wherever they can, I saw was it Tomlinson? Somebody was the doing backup long snaps in the fourth quarter. Uh, anyway,
2: well, what they should do is they should just never kick. They should just go on fourth down, like when uh, Cox tore his ACL against the Falcons and like Holodi was the long snapper, and then on fourth and nine, Flacco threw like a bomb to Tory Smith and just completely stunted on the Falcons in two thousand fourteen. That's one of one of my favorite like random tidbits and just a blowout. <laughs> like no,
1: Monday it was Saturday. it was a
2: it was a daylight one PM. Just they blew the NFC South out of the water that year. And I just I remember being so entertained by that. To this day I still remember that. It was twenty
1: fourteen. No so I'm thinking of twenty twelve when did they played the Falcons and got the crap kick Maybe it was 08 then. No. So I they, Roddy white kicking the crap. They, they,
2: they played and I think they played in 08 or 09 and Flacco and Ryan both played really well. It was like a shootout. And I was like, Oh shit. And the both, Falcons won, right? Yeah, and they did. Roddy
1: white had like 150 yards or something. And Julio was like a first or second year player. And
2: they, it might not, it might've been pre Julio at that point. Cause he came in mm-hmm. in 2011. Um, but yeah, I remember yeah, that being yeah, a really was, good game. Yeah. I so. remember
1: a Roddy white game and I remember being, I was watching in my, you know, Hampstead, Maryland, shout-out Greenmount Station, favorite little, you know, in-town sports bar there. I remember watching that and just being disgusted by whatever was happening. I just remember Roddy White. It's I think it
2: time. was the Roddy White game because he was he was filthy at the time. That was, like, prime Roddy White.
1: Exactly, when he was balling. So, yeah, for me, uh, notable cuts. I had Levine. I think Levine, like Vaz said, can can be revisited. I think they do cut him, though. Uh, I think we we see maybe Boykin. Uh and then Nigel Warrior, I guess, is my my third one. But like I said, I mean, I I'm going with prediction, not what I would do. I like Nigel Warrior the best.
2: Yeah, I'm the same way. I think uh, he's and he does kind of he's, you know, a scrappy kind of guy. It just feels like the kind of guy that they're going to like. Great name. You know, you like a guy named Warrior on your squad. I You know, if I if I could have a, a Warrior join Baltimore beatdown, I, I think I I would like that if we could start kind of you know, trolling the internet to recruit someone with that last name.
1: See if he's got any cousins, any, uh, you know, any uncles, (laughs) any crazy uncles, any crazy aunts that might want to just like do a warrior watch every week. And
2: and we'll we'll have that be a segment on the podcast warrior watch where where we just check in on Nigel warriors stats, which, you know, probably not going to be an especially jam packed segment for at least the first (laughs) 12 weeks of the year. For every tackle
1: he makes, we just scream "Warrior, Warrior." We do He's some tall. kind of yeah,
2: hopefully, hopefully non problematic like chant when he uh, makes a special teams tackle.
1: Non problematic, yeah. I think he fits a good special teams <laughs> special teams profile. He's physical as hell. He likes to come up and make plays in the run game. He can run through some screens and some blocks. But I uh, I'm curious to see how this pans out. Again, I do think there is someone out there that is a cut of another team that ends up on this 53 feels like they're sniffing around and they've got some weird rooms that they need to try and add one more talented player and maybe someone with a little bit of experience.
2: And it is definitely going to be Todd Gurley.
0: (laughs) Probably. We'll see. My notable cut was Ben Mason, draft pick. I have two UDFAs making the team in Ely and Washington. And the Pernell McPhee with the uh, wink nod 48 hour break from the team, which pains me to say, but, uh, it just makes sense.
2: Yeah. For me, uh, I want to see Nate McCrary stick around with the practice squad. Uh, liked what I saw from him. I guess Ely would be a notable cut for, uh, sort of the way you've been kind of talking him up boss. So that was uh, one for me. Miles Boykin obviously would probably be my most notable one. That's not like a wink nod. I've just, I've been alluding to the fact that I think probably a, uh, a little parting of ways is going to be in the, in the fold here for uh, both parties and uh, we'll see how that works out. I think he is going to get scooped up and uh, I do expect him to catch on somewhere, at least in some sort of rotational capacity. I think uh, it's going to be unfortunate. I think he's played better at times than people are willing to give him credit for, but uh, yeah, I just don't see him having a place uh, with this roster.
1: David Cully is going to say miles Boykin, come on down down to Houston.
2: What the hell is going to happen there?
1: Him and Nico Collins, the Twin Towers, baby.
2: Nico, I forgot they got him. They got, I mean, they're just signing.
0: Kills, they're, uh,
2: they're signing everyone. They just <laughs> threw everything at all of their problems, and uh, it's probably not cool. going to work. How did they do in the preseason? Did the depth pay off or not?
1: I, I heard some, like, crazy Davis Mills buzz.
2: <laughs> well, that was, like, that was like during, that was during the draft, right? It, or did he play well, you're saying?
1: No, I'm saying I'm pretty sure I, I saw some inklings of being like, wow, this Davis Mills kid is, like, something special. Did
2: they pick him in the third round? yes yeah that's that's a little bit of a reach in my in my humble estimation
1: he was my i think he was my sixth quarterback i think he was my sixth quarterback
2: he was just kind of uninspired to me he just reminds me of like every pac 12 quarterback that is like oh this guy kind of you know maybe and uh you know he's just probably not but we'll see i like stanford quarterbacks
0: kj costello
2: costello i liked actually and that's that was maybe the straw that broke the camel's back because he ended up in the
0: sec and then Who's at Mississippi State or something? I Did he go to remember. Texas
2: Tech? Maybe something like... Or yeah, I think it is Mississippi State. Um,
1: he went to Mississippi State, beat LSU in week one. Everyone went insane because LSU just won the national championship, and then LSU was like the not best team. In LSU. <laughs> it's like, oh wait, Joe
2: Burrow's gone. That's yeah, maybe. Oh doesn't wait, mean all that their much. good
1: players opted out. They lost their offensive coordinator. That's the reason they won the national championship. And uh, yeah, there we go.
2: So
0: uh, some here games coming up college this week. It's oh a really God. good matchup. Georgia
1: Clemson. That's going to be a barn burn. My boy DJ Ugalele, That's my favorite player in college football. Uh, it's so all
2: really, about the like, U.
1: One of my all-time favorite college players, DJ Ugalele.
2: You've been all over that train, going back to like him getting like late snaps uh, for Trevor Lawrence in certain spots. So I am excited to check him out. I got to get more into college this year. That's always I always say I'm going to do that. Pick, and I I don't pick,
1: pick one team from the SEC, the Big Ten. And then one team that is like not Clemson or someone in the either like big 12 or ACC. Just follow like three teams and try and at least check in and you'll end up seeing so much.
2: Maybe I will you don't do, have to
1: watch the full game or anything. Just just check in on them. See what's going on.
2: Maybe I will do Clemson or South Carolina with my, my Greenville roots. You know, I could I could pick either one of those. So I'll, I'll probably be the hipster and go South Carolina then. SEC uh, Gamecock,
0: Gamecocks lost a lot of talent. I wouldn't watch them this year.
2: <laughs> yeah, they were uh, they were. I mean, they were always like Clemson was fucking nothing when I was down yeah. there. It was it was all about SC. I think um I think the old ball coach was there at the time. So yeah, yeah um yeah. So I'll definitely try to do that. SEC obviously I'll just go Texas. You know, hook them. I'm a big Texas guy. So uh you know well obviously that's going to be not in place for another four years. But uh just having a little fun there, uh, yeah. So excited about colleagues. Excited about this 53-man roster projection. I think it was fun.
1: It was fun. This is our uh, our third annual Hydra or Trident roster episode. Where it's uh, the boys, Vaz, Jake, and myself. So we hope you guys enjoyed. I uh, so let's let's here's my final question of the bubble players, and I'm going to try and rattle off some. Let's say Tyson. Uh, let's say Ben Mason, let's say, you know, Boykin, Ealy. Uh, If you want to pick another offensive lineman, that's fine. Let's say Jalen Ferguson, Chris Westry, Ardarius Washington, Nigel Warrior. Uh, I guess that's good. Who Who is the one who makes the biggest impact? And I feel like it's kind of easy, Tyson Williams. So if you want to go beyond Tyson Williams, that's fine. Or if you just want to talk about him. But who do you think of these bubble players makes the biggest impact for the Ravens in 2021?
2: Um, I got a sneaky feeling, and like this doesn't count. I was gonna say Tylen Wallace, but because like I have him listed as six, but like he's he. You was can talk le- about
1: Tylen Wallace if you want.
2: Yeah, so he he was obviously a lock to make the roster. I did have him as my sixth wide receiver. Um, I just I, I think they will list Prochet over him, but I I just got a sneaky feeling, man, that they're gonna be. Uh, I mean, they're gonna be opening the season with injuries at wide receiver, but I just feel like there's gonna be a couple games down the stretch where they just they need a guy with solid hands and just good concentration to come in and uh, make some plays. And I feel like he's going to be a guy who I, everyone sort of when they picked Bateman, it was like, Oh, well, Bateman's going to be the guy, one of the, you know, top guys in year one, Wallace is going to get some time to develop. I think that's going to be the case, but I think he's going to come on strong and uh, prove people why he was stealing the fourth round as early as this year.
0: That's a good pick. He could be uh, starting in week one.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, week one, week two, very real option that he's getting run on the outside, like 2025 20, snaps.
0: I will go with Geno Stone. I'm not sure if he's quite a bubble guy at this point, but I think with the injury to LJ Fort, um, they're going to be playing a decent amount of dime, and they're going to want to put Chuck Clark down in the box, help communication, let him match up tight ends, support the run, and the man on the back end in that situation is going to be Geno Stone, and I can see him corralling, I don't know, a handful of interceptions this, this season a pair
1: maybe a pair of picks yeah well i like it i uh like those i think i think whether it's washington or warrior or stone i think one of those guys definitely makes a heavy Day, contribution at some point here
2: dalen hayes too
1: dalen hayes dalen hayes Name to watch out for for sure i think he's earned himself some snaps i think he's shown he can step into the rotation confidently whether it's as a rusher uh, or as someone that just likes to to rush or uh, excuse me as a run defender or someone who can come in on third down has some mobility and can play below the waist of offensive tackles and dip under and uh, try and get some of those speed sacks, those quick pressure. So I like those for sure. But yeah, then obviously Tyson Williams going to be thrusted into what feels like a notable role early. So it's, it's interesting to see and I'm curious to see if there's a player that's not currently in Baltimore that ends up making an impact. I think uh, that whether it's someone who's signed immediately or ultimately that Eric Tacasa trades for, And I I believe that is going to happen. I'm very confident in either running back, offensive line, defensive line, or linebacker room. Someone's brought in here in the next two days. Maybe they don't make a huge impact, but I think there's someone out there that will be a a heavy rotational player, maybe even a starter that's going to make a big impact this year. I think there's a lot of weird little rooms and holes and and some weird stuff going on right now through this training camp and preseason process. So uh, we shall see, but... I'm excited for it. I'm excited to see what happens tomorrow and in the coming days. And this was a lot of fun. Thanks for doing this with me, guys.
2: Thanks for hopping on and uh, doing it with us. I think this is a uh, you know a fun tradition as you've been alluding to, and uh, it was great. Vas, thanks for hopping on with us, bud. Uh, you know, it's the pleasure. Is, uh, the
0: pleasure was mine. The yeah. pleasure was mine.
2: It's absolutely. It's always great to have you on. Before we uh, get rolling here, how about you uh, let the listeners know where they can find you and yourself
0: at Vasili's Beatdown on Twitter, V-A-S-I-L-I-S Beatdown, and I publish a daily Ravens news, or as Spencer called it, VAS news the other day. Well, I do some links and do some long-form pieces uh, occasionally as well at Baltimore Beatdown, our blog.
2: All right. Well, appreciate that. You can find the show on social media at uh, Podcast Beatdown on Twitter. You can find it at Baltimore underscore Beatdown underscore podcast on Instagram, I am at Jake Luke. That is L O U Q U E with the uh, uh, white or blue check mark next to the name. Uh, you know, regardless of how you uh, kind of perceive that. Uh, and then Spencer is at Ravens Four Dummies. That's the number four in the middle there. Also, check out uh, at Baltimore Be Beatdown for uh, uh, our flagship site's Twitter account where we tweet out all our great articles and uh, a lot of good analysis from there as well. And uh, go to BaltimoreBeatdown.com for all of us and Baltimore Beatdown on YouTube for our video content and, uh, you know, podcast content too. So uh, this was a a fun little 53-man roster projection. We're going to have more for you guys later in the week. We've got a bye week coming up here. There's usually a fourth preseason game to occupy this, but there's not going to be before week one. So uh, we'll probably have, uh, you know, plenty of fun stuff uh, until week one. But uh, until uh, the next episode, I guess we will see you guys later.
1: This was so fun, and
2: this reminded me of when we did the
1: three-man weave uh, NFL draft, like fantasy draft. That was a lot of fun. But that's all for us. See
2: ya. Arrivederci. Gorlami.
0: Gorlami. Arrivederci. 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 Arrivederci.